We all know that I love making and recording my own podcast. Loudmouth is my heart and soul. But what's even more fun is that it's easy to do. And guess what? (laughs) You can do one too. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Because it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and anywhere else you can listen to podcasts. You can make money from it with no minimum listenership. It's literally everything you need to make a podcast right there in one place for free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Loudmouth Podcast, the show about everything and nothing all at once. I'm your host, the one and only host with small lips, Loudmouth, Madison Handler. Hello, everybody. Um, Happy almost Halloween. Very exciting. I have pretty much well I have my outfits like planned out I do need to get a couple more things I'm super excited because um with my friends Morgan and Alicia we're gonna be the hex girls from Scooby-Doo so I'm so excited I bet you can only guess which one I'm going to be um but I am so excited and I hope that you guys are getting your outfits together or I don't know planning to watch spooky movies whatever you do on Halloween I hope that you're getting ready to do it and get a little break from this wild thing we call life. Um, (laughs) That was a really dramatic way of putting that Halloween is exciting, but I know that I am feeling a little bit overwhelmed. You know, it's almost November. Um, Giving Tuesday is coming up. If you're in the nonprofit world, then you know what I'm talking about. If not, Giving Tuesday is just a big fundraising day for nonprofits, it's an online giving day, and I run a nonprofit social media, so I have to um, figure out what to do. I mean, not figure out. I have figured out. I just need to do it, which is honestly the hard part. But that's okay. We're gonna get through it, and it's gonna be great, and everything's gonna be awesome. Okay, you guys, speaking it now into existence for you and for me. Um, today, we're gonna kind of on the subject of jobs I asked you guys on my Instagram which episode you wanted to hear first and you guys chose professionalism which I am so excited to talk about this pot or talk about oh my lord talk about this topic because it's been ramping up in my day-to-day life this idea of professionalism what it means being young professionals so on and so forth and I have quite literally never felt professional and even when I do maybe feel more professional I don't even say that I feel professional I'm like oh I feel adult in this this feels like this is cool like I feel like an adult I never really say I'm feeling professional and I even when I try to act like I am I'm not your traditional sense of professional And this is mostly from not knowing how to censor myself and just being kind of a bold and loud person, as you all know, aka a loud mouth. Um, But also most of my work settings in life have been very casual. And I truly think like the most quote unquote professional job I had was at a law firm that I worked at in in Springfield and then H&R Block (laughs) in Springfield as well. And that was mainly because I had to wear business 
or business casual. I honestly don't know the whole difference about that, but that's a whole nother topic of professionalism. But all of my other jobs have been either in the service industry or the nonprofit world in which the nicest things I usually wear are to events. And that's like dresses and things that are fun to dress up in. But wearing business slacks and coat jacket or suit jackets or whatever they are has just really never been my thing. And it is interesting trying to having to navigate the professionalism world and trying to fit my purple hired self into that cookie cutter idea and I think a lot of the times we even equivalent women wearing makeup to being quote-unquote professional even though this has nothing to do with how you perform at work or for black women black women and black men having natural hair is considered unprofessional even when a, a rule doesn't explicitly say that so I mean we've seen this all the time there's like crown acts going around um just kind of gatekeeping black people's hair and saying that it doesn't fit in a professional world which makes zero sense because how your hair looks or how you look or how you work doesn't matter if you're getting the work done and I asked you guys on my Instagram kind of what professional meant to you and one of my friends Katie said gatekeeping which I think is so true Um, my friend Stevie said conducting yourself in a way that aligns with your values is respectful of others and implies that you take your work seriously which I love that answer and I think that is becoming more and more the traditional sense of professionalism Um, my other friend Nicole said stupid ass emails feelings aside business first corporate America bullshit and then she said but also well-dressed lady bosses and as I started to look for a new job I've kind of been confronted with this difference in professionalism between what I think of professionalism and what maybe the actual professional world thinks about it so we're gonna get into that a little bit today since the beginning of the pandemic professionalism is definitely taking a turn and I think especially which we'll get on this later with Gen Z's and Millennials being more of the leading workforce it makes sense why this is changing and personally I believe that it's changing for the better before zoom calls and working from home personal and professional life were in two different spheres you didn't really bring up your home problems to work unless they were to talk to your coworker about a huge roadblock that caused you, your workflow to change. Now that your animals can interrupt your meetings and your office is right next to your bed and eating your breakfast in the morning meeting is normalized, these fears have started to kind of mix together and confuse this old traditional idea of what professionalism is. So let's first define professionalism. So professionalism in its clearest form is the competence or skill expected of a professional. It isn't the job you do, but how you do it, which I think is what goes along with what my friend Stevie said of sticking to your values and getting your work done and letting them show in how you work. Most of the websites will say that it's your attitude, holding yourself accountable and things like that. But 
in our society and the professionalism that we're kind of talking about today, it extends to how you look, the work you've done, how you can act around big wigs, and, well, you get the point. Professionalism is often defined as the conduct, aims, or qualities that characterize or mark a profession or a professional. And even in listing some of these, I'm sure that you guys are getting some kind of tinge of uncomfortableness because what does what I'm wearing have to do with the work that I can put out? And this is where I believe that professionalism is changing for the better. Our society is collectively beginning to move away from standards of professionalism. And we see now how they have disproportionately policed marginalized groups. Just what I was talking about with um, black people's hair and things like that and sexism, ableism, everything in between. Work norms have persisted since the dawn of time and the dawn of the 9 to 5 in the 1800s and especially since it went mainstream with the automotive industry boom in the 1920s. They dictated, quote-unquote, acceptable workplace behaviors and hierarchies. But those systems have also created biases, inequalities, and assumptions, especially among those who aren't a part of that dominant culture. And as I am sure you are reflecting back to your days of U.S. history where you learned about Ford, the, what's it called, assembly line, (laughs) and things like that, it was all about the work that you had to put out. So they set these standards in place to make sure that you were getting the most work out of each worker. The closer you look at the standards of professionalism, the more you can see how it was crafted to be exclusionary of anyone deemed less profitable. For example, quote-unquote professional attire required for work has been historically used by white, upper-class men to control and police the women and people of color who they hire. This paradigm of professionalism creates a baseline of discrimination against people with different socioeconomic backgrounds, against people of color, people working multiple jobs, people with disabilities, and people with caretaking responsibilities. Marginalized groups are being and have been harmed by the standards of professionalism, and professional spaces are accepting fewer and fewer people from marginalized groups which further disadvantages those groups in the workplace. So I'm sure thinking about this, like hearing this now, you're probably like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Why wouldn't something in our culture hurt marginalized group? Because, of course, we only think about the white people. We never think about the people of color or anything like that. We never include them in our conversations. And especially talking about how these kind of standards of professionalism were built in the 1920s, we can automatically assume that it was probably built by these upper class straight white men, which doesn't help anyone in the lower class. I think a really big point to drive this home is this idea that, you know, okay, say you see someone homeless on the side of the street and you're with someone who doesn't really understand this idea and they're like well why don't they just go get a job okay so besides the obvious roadblocks of transportation you know acquiring an id to get a job having an address to get idea all those other things that mix into it think about the cost of a uniform And this doesn't even have to be a suit or anything like that. Even at my old job at Chili's, it costs to get a shirt. 
It would cost to get jeans that are clean. It would cost to get a belt, to have something to put your hair up, to cover tattoos, piercings, whatever you may have. Even in those jobs that we don't, you know, that aren't a part of mainstream business culture, even servers have a uniform and have a certain act of quote unquote professionalism to follow which I'm sure if you ever worked in a restaurant, there was probably, especially a corporate restaurant, there was probably a picture of two employees, a girl and a guy, standing next to each other, showing off how, oh, they look clean in whatever, like their shirt doesn't have any stains on it, even though we're working at a Chili's, there's going to be salsa somewhere on your outfit. Um, they don't, their piercings aren't showing, their hair is a natural color, blah, 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 all those things like that. So, we know that getting into these roles costs money. So, of course, on a bigger scale, if you're trying to get into a law firm or anything like that, you're looking at how much a certain tie looks so that you can fit into this professionalism world. I actually listened to a really, really great podcast um, that talked about this, especially with lawyers, and it was called Left of Law, and I will put it in the show notes because I loved it and there was one episode that they were talking about professionalism and how this idea of professionalism especially in law school really hurts and harms people who people of color marginalized groups people of lower socioeconomic status things like that because one going to law school is expensive as fuck but you also have to dress nice for class. You have to cover your tattoos. Um, you know, if you're black, you have to code switch to make sure you're fitting in with your white peers, um, especially, you know, your professors, your white male professors or white women professors, whatever it is. There's this code, there's this idea of professionalism that ultimately leaves out people of these marginalized groups. And it's unrealistic to think that within a year or even the next few years, people won't feel the need the, to compartmentalize, cover, or code switch in a professional stasis. But if we can create modalities that support authentic expression and then promote a culture that normalizes their use, it's a step and hopefully a silver lining for all we've had to endure over the past year. So basically... Because of letting our work into our homes and being able to see, you know, where you live on Zoom calls, anything like that, we were lowering this kind of guard up that we've had around professionalism and around letting people into our personal lives and becoming more personable within professionalism. Another reason why this kind of professionalism has changed is because we've realized that people don't have to just live on this nine to five day to day to pump out, you know, good, authentic work. We have started to use energy as our time management tool instead of hours. So if you were working in the normal nine to five in an office, you were probably finding ways to fill that time or even finding yourself too overworked to do the things that you even needed to do. With remote work, we have learned that we don't have to be doing things every single second of every single day to be considered, quote unquote, productive. Companies are no longer defining productivity as how much a person can complete in a certain amount of time. We are measuring that by the creativity and innovation brought to the workplace or completing goals fully to a higher level, these goals of productivity require more energy and more originality. This has started to look like managing our schedules in a way that fits us better, if it's ap applicable. 
So personally, I like taking breaks throughout the whole day and allowing myself to not worry about going and going from nine to five strictly. A lot of the times I'll work from 8.30 to one, come home, do some things around the house or do some personal things. And then at night after dinner, I'll sit on my computer and work a little bit more. Especially with content creation, I find myself needing even more breaks so that my creative energy is refueled, which usually means working on loudmouth stuff later at night. So I feel like I'm putting out my best work. And that's just one difference in how time in nine to fives have changed the way professionalism looks. Being professional doesn't mean having a nine to five anymore. It means working and putting out good content that you're proud of. Acknowledging individual ways of working can catalyze the collective power of our best energy and ideas with real individual and organizational benefits. This period in time allows us to normalize prioritizing individual health needs over a professional efficiency in a way that we can make a difference for those whose health has long-term suffered for the sake of professionalism. So this is kind of where that ableism comes in. A lot of people aren't able to work and sit in a chair from nine to five. Um, a lot of one, a lot of people are neurodivergent. Their brains work in different ways, and we have to be able to kind of work with them or allow them to work around how their brain works. A lot of people are more productive in the morning, so they'll wake up really early, get work done, take a break, and then come later on in the day. And then just on a purely physical scale of being disabled not a lot of people have you know the time and the resources to get from point a to point b in a building so being in their house might be a little bit easier for them to move around because they have these systems built up that work for them another thing as i mentioned before that is changing the game of professional is millennials and gen z's careers used to be a huge idea that usually meant staying with a company or profession for your whole life. And I think, especially like my parents, I see this with a lot. I mean, my dad has been for the same news company in St. Louis for pretty, like ever since I was born. And, you know, he moved around a little bit before then, but not much. Once he got to St. Louis, he stayed and he's been there ever since. My mom was with Pfizer for a very, very long time when I was growing up and then um, ultimately got laid off in the 2008 recession but now has been with Edward Jones for a long time and it's this idea that kind of comes from that older culture that older generation of you need to stick to something and we also see this changing in how millennials and gen z's look for jobs looking for more ethical workplace um activity working for good pay good benefits and also good time off good you know cares about mental health cares about black lives matter all things like this and so now our generation and millennials are changing professions and positions way more frequently since it's easier to gain skills in various areas of expertise younger people are interested in dabbling in it all even within one company, 60% of Gen Z workers expect to change roles in two years. Today, your career development can be anything. Time changes and the needs change. And I think a lot of people our age are also having, you know, their job and then a side hustle or their job and something creative they love to do or just multiple jobs, which one comes with how the economy has changed and how it's, you know, harder to 
make a good wage but also comes with being able to learn a lot of skills a lot easier you know you can go on the internet take a certification take a certification course for you know search engine optimization and learn about digital marketing and do that on the side of whatever else you're doing especially after the pandemic we have realized that nothing truly matters and we cannot keep doing the same shit over and over again to try and feel something We are becoming less of pushovers and demanding the companies we work for treat us with respect. With remote work, people are able to find jobs that better suit their needs of wanting to be at home with the kids or jobs that allow flexibility in working that work with how you and your schedule work or part-time jobs so that you can run the side hustle that you genuinely care about. I think the biggest thing for me while job searching now is that I want a a company to reflect who I am which is mainly why I have stuck to nonprofits. I think a lot of young professionals can agree that we don't really care about the paycheck as much as our parents did. Obviously, money is important, and of course, there's caveats to, you know, being able to pay your fucking bills, but there are also the values of the company. Did they give their workers mental health breaks? What was their response to Black Lives Matter? Things like that. This makes us look at the character of the organizations or their employees over that professionalism or over that I'm going to stay in this career all my life. So now for a little story. The other day I interviewed for a law firm and to be honest, I was absolutely terrified because I'm over here with only experience in nonprofit communications, purple hair, one tattoo, which is lame, but you know, a tattoo and a very bold and loud personality. And I didn't really think I was going to get nervous for this interview. But as soon as I hopped on that call um, and I was with, you know, two other women dressed very, you know, professional in the office and talking to me about, you know, legal communications and things like that, I felt a little bit of the imposter syndrome. I was like, oh my God, I've only worked in nonprofit life. I'm pretty loud, not afraid to speak my mind, and, you know, obvious things like that. But as I was sitting there in the interview, I just realized how silly that was to even think about. Because, of course, you know, you need to be on, you need to be respectful of people's time. You need to be professional in the way that you interact with people, be mindful of that. But professionalism doesn't mean muting your personality and, that's what I exactly what I didn't do during the interview. Um, I actually made sure that I showed that I'm loud and I'm bold and I'm passionate about social media and I love marketing and communications, but I also care about people and I also think about the things that I'm posting. I'm making sure that I'm thinking about all voices that could be in it and things like that. And I'm not afraid to have fun or crack a joke in real life. So why would I hide that in an interview? Because the biggest thing is when you do that, when you hide that way to be more quote unquote professional or whatever the idea of professionalism is in that company or job or whatever it is, you're truly just not letting yourself be you and not letting yourself find the company or find the job that fits you. Because I think a lot of the time we have this idea that we need to fit into this role oh my gosh, my qualifications aren't good enough. I need to get more qualifications to fit into this role. I need to look like this to be a lawyer. I need to dress like this to be a CEO, whatever it is. And those things are just becoming less and less important because anyone can be a CEO. Anyone can go to law school, obviously, with 
the right money and things like that. So let's not forget about poverty in that sense. But anyone can work for a law firm. I can sit there and be loud and bold and show people that I'm really, really good at my job, but I'm also fun and I'm also not going to hide my personality because I want this job because no job is good enough for me to forget who I am and forget how bold and passionate I am. So it's cool because after the interview, they were telling me how like how they saw how passionate I was. And they were asking me, of course, you know, how going from nonprofit life to a legal communications life would be. And I mean, I, of course, said it's going to be a learning curve, but it's nothing that I can't do and it's nothing that I can't learn. And I think as long as you're presenting your true and authentic self, you are going to find the companies that are right for you. And it's not going to be a matter of, am I right for them? Am I okay? Because listen, if you get the interview, something in you is qualified for this role. And when you talk in the interview, if you're masking who you are, then you're going to get hired on and you're going to sit in that company and be like, oh my God, this is not what I wanted. So why try and hide your true self for the sake of quote unquote professionalism? And it was nice because the interview was over Zoom. It was remote. And being able to see other people's cats walk across the screen and just being able to see that these people that you're talking to are real people and the people working in these roles are real people. So why are we trying to mask it all in the sense, in the sake of professionalism? So I honestly think about this topic a lot, especially with this idea that like, oh, I'm dressing business casual, so I need to put on makeup. And I've really tried to stop that within myself and be like, I can be professional without looking pretty. And that's not to deny that there is not sexism at play and that, you know, when I was a bartender and I put on makeup that I would get better, better tips. And it's not to say if you wear makeup to work because you like it that you shouldn't. But it's just kind of questioning these ideas of why am I doing this? Am I doing it because I truly want to? Or am I doing it because I'm afraid when I step in the office with, you know, just my eyebrows and mascara done and no concealer or anything, what are people going to think about me? Are they going to think that I'm not put together and things like that? So I think that millennials and Gen Zs are truly changing the way that this looks because we're finding companies that work for us, not the opposite way. And we're standing up for ourselves and we're fighting those labor fights and we're trying our hardest to make the world a better place to live in. And with the pandemic, those things have only escalated. And we've realized that a lot of these policies in place were racist, classist, sexist, ableist, whatever they are, which are most things in our society. So I hope you enjoyed this talk on professionalism and I hope you... It gives me hope knowing that it's changing because I can quite literally see it changing as someone who's interviewing um, more and more now. But it's also just nice to know that I'm not the only one thinking that, that I'm not the only one being like, wow, this is changing or blah, 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 that there are actual things happening out there, that companies are changing the way they work and function. Not all of them, of course, there are some still shitty ones, but how they work and function because of the pandemic and they realize that hmm, maybe we're overworking people maybe we're you know asking people to be someone that they're not so I love you guys I hope that you are out there changing the world via v is that the right way to say that via via <laughs> via your professionalism via not wearing makeup when you don't want to 
or wearing those colorful, bold outfits in the office or eating your lunch while on a meeting because you're hungry. Stop trying to fit into the corporate culture and let the job fit into you. Okay, you guys, I love you all. And I'm so happy to have you along here with this podcast. Um, I know we're already past the three years, but happy three years again. Make sure that you guys follow me at Loudmouth Pod so that you can answer my questions on professionalism and I can shout you guys out in the next episode, whatever it is, or you can vote on what episode you want to hear. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Loudmouth underscore pod. Um, buy my merch. It's in the bio. I'm Yeah, that's all I have to promote today. So I love you guys and I will see you all next week for another lovely talk about everything and nothing all at once. (laughs) Bye, you guys. Go be loud.